I'm Crystal. And I'm Sheena. And this is the Lifestyle of the Weird and Interesting Podcast. Conversations you won't find in Life's Handbook. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Lifestyle of the Weird and Interesting Podcast. And today we are going to be talking about navigating family challenges during the holidays since the holiday season is very quickly upon us now. <laughs> yes, it crept up for it sure. Did. It is sneaky and I do not feel prepared. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not in the slightest. No, no. <laughs> Although I will say for the first time in a very, very long time, I am feeling very excited for Christmas. Good. Yeah. I told my husband, I was like, I think I want to put up Christmas decorations like today, (laughs) which is crazy because I'm normally like super strict about like no Christmas music until like December 20th. I'm not ready. (laughs) And literally this morning we were making breakfast, listening to holiday music. So (laughs) I'm feeling it this year. I don't know what shifted or what changed for me. Um, But yeah, I'm just really feeling the holidays. That's awesome. For me, I typically start decorating for Christmas December 1st mm-hmm. because fall fall actually lasts a long time. I never yeah. really thought about it, but I guess season-wise when we all get ready for the holidays and stuff, um I don't know, for me it's just like okay, December 1st, like winter's coming. This is mm-hmm. when Christmas begins, and then I have a full month of Christmas music. And then um I don't put my Christmas stuff away until February. Oh, wow. Yeah. We, so we <laughs> normally will do, um, in the past, like we have cut a real tree or purchased a real tree on the, the rare occasion that we've not been able to get in. So the way that it works is in Utah, they, in certain areas of the state, they offer um, a tree cutting permit. You have to purchase that from the Forest Service. And then you're able to go into the mountains and cut a pine tree, whichever one you like. So it's very like um, Clark Griswold, right? Like we're going out <laughs> and like chopping down a tree and then taking it home and it's always the wrong size and <laughs> like full of antics. It's great. It's a super fun tradition. And we'll kind of dive into a lot more of that, but uh, I have some pretty severe allergies and pine pollen is one of those. So over the last probably 15 years, we've had an artificial tree more often than a real tree. Um, Just because a real tree often will trigger a lot of things with my allergies and then I'm sick for like the whole month. So that's not fun. But we usually uh, do all of that stuff on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. So we'll kind of dive more into traditions in a minute. But we don't do Black Friday shopping. Instead, we take that day and spend it as a family. And I can kind of explain a little bit why we choose to do it that way. But yeah, that's yeah. that's usually our tradition. And so this year to be feeling, we're recording this right before Thanksgiving. Um, and to be feeling excited about it this early on is rare for me. That's awesome. I'm I'm excited for you that you're excited. I went shopping yesterday as we're recording this and just all the Christmas decor, the Christmas music. I'm like, okay, like it's actually here. <laughs> yeah. So, it, but it does get you excited and it does 
I really believe that music and even scents, like things you can smell, yes. uh, fragrances, perfumes, all that stuff, like trigger memories. And so the Christmas time, I think for all of us, there's certain things that trigger certain memories, be it good, be it bad. And it, um, yeah. So this time, this time of the year is special in some ways and it's hard in other ways. And we'll get into that in this episode. Yeah, for sure. All right. So it's time to dive in and get weird. Um, Let's what, get weird. <laughs> do you want to share some of your personal stories about holidays, how you have experienced that, what comes up for you and how you navigate that? Yeah. So holidays have always been interesting starting from my childhood because I'm an only child um, I was close, but not very close with like my extended family. And I did spend a lot of holidays with my mom's side of the family. So my grandma and I are very close and I would, she would kind of pick me up and take me to her side of the family and we would spend a lot of holidays together. So that's, that's the family that I am most closest with. As a little kid, she would dress me up and we would go to, I would always have a really cute outfit on and I would just look absolutely adorable. And yeah, we just spend time with the family. As I got older, uh, I think holidays got a little harder and that's just because I feel like there's a lot of expectations set upon you. And I'm talking like teenager, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to look cute. Um, you have to look a certain way. At least this is my experience. Um, and if I didn't meet someone's expectations, it caused problems. So as I get older into my 20s, uh, holidays got even more hard because mm. there was just a lot of friction, a lot of anxiety, a lot of agitation, a lot of pressure. There's just a, a lot going on that was projected onto me and it really like ruined the holidays it's like i can't go and celebrate thanksgiving or christmas with the family after i've just been bawling my eyes out because of something someone said like that mm -hmm. really hurt my feelings and now i have to go and pretend like i'm fine like i don't work that way i don't operate that way i never will i have to like process my feelings and take that time and talk things out and when you're in an environment where you can't do that it makes it very difficult mm -hmm. um and it got to a point as i've gotten older when i was in those situations that are i don't want to say they were toxic but they were definitely like not not good not just not mm -hmm. good to be in in general where i didn't hide it anymore i'm like yeah so-and-so said this to me it upset me so i'm not talking to them right now like i'm over here hanging out with my cousins like i'm fine you know yeah but um i i just don't like the idea of pretending like i'm fine when i'm not and i feel like i had to do that a lot during the holidays and that was so incredibly hard um there's a lot of holidays i spent crying a lot of holidays where i've left and just slammed the door behind me and went for a walk i had to remove myself mm -hmm. from the situation which Later in this episode, we'll talk about like coping skills and boundary setting because that's important um, in situations like this. But yeah, there's been times where I bawled my eyes out and then I, I would look, 
this is gonna sound really creepy but like I would go for a walk and look in the windows of houses and see families at the dinner table and I'm out there crying and I'm like where's my family unit like why can't I be in Aww. a Hallmark movie right now like <laughs> feeling like so sorry for myself and mm. it's hard it's it's hard and now that I've moved and I have my own life now and it's holidays are celebrated a lot differently and mm -hmm. I think the pressure is off which is good yeah. And we could kind of do whatever the heck we want. Like we don't have to stick with traditional turkey and do this full blown meal and do all the stuff. Like uh, my fiance and I have done emo or emo Thanksgiving and emo Christmas. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so that's kind of how we've celebrated the last few years. And we just like have some drinks we'll make whatever we want. Like I remember the first Thanksgiving we actually did. So my partner's vegetarian and he doesn't eat meat. So we got like, I forgot what it's called, but it's not meat, but it looks like meat. And, mm -hmm. uh, we made that, we made potatoes, we made, um, stuffing. I was like cornbread. That's all right. We made, we made stuffing <laughs> and, um, we had like we, we did that full that full meal and then i think the year after that um we went to go see my family for thanksgiving because i wanted him to experience like my family thanksgiving which of course we, we play important. bingo yeah that our tradition with the families we play bingo and i'll get into that a little bit later but so i wanted him to experience that so i think it was last year we went and saw my family for thanksgiving and then this year we ordered Chicago pizza from a local pizzeria that um, he grew up eating and we're having some deep dish Chicago pizza for Thanksgiving and we're going to listen to emo music. We're probably going to get a little, you know, tipsy and just have a really good time. And I think those have been some of the best like times for the holidays that I've had because they're just laid back, they're chill, they're fun. There's no pressure whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And there's no fighting. Yeah. So it's really <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So for me, my holidays, it's going to be a little bit confusing because my family is a little bit confusing. Um, <laughs> we have a really odd dynamic. So when I was really, really young, my mom's first husband was not a fan of her family. So we didn't spend a lot of time with her family. Um, his mom every year for Christmas would make all of the girls a dress. And my sister and I always had matching dresses. And then oh. we would go, there was a local place that did photos and we would do a family photo every year. So I have like these ridiculous dresses i'm gonna have to see if i can find some of these pictures and share them because these dresses like the sleeves were intense it was oh. the 80s <laughs> and the sleeves were as big as my head they were fantastic um the most memorable dress that i had was one that was made of i i want to say this dress was like probably the biggest fire hazard ever throw back to your costume that caught on fire right <laughs> made of this green it was like rayon 
like the crinkliest, oh. loudest fabric I've ever experienced. <laughs> and it had these velvet, like black velvet roses, like all over it. And oh it was gosh. so itchy. It was the oh. worst dress I've ever worn. It was beautiful. And then it had like this detachable collar that was this great big square. And I wore that collar like with outfits it should not have been worn with because I loved it so much. That's amazing. <laughs> it was I ridiculous. It. I was like six. So, you know, like I can give myself a little bit of forgiveness for wearing things that don't make sense, but <laughs> I loved That's it amazing. so much. Um, anyway, so we would go get photos every year for Christmas and it would be her and myself and my siblings. So at the time it would have been myself, my younger sister and my two younger brothers. And then my cousins and my, this is my sister's father's family. So his, he has a sister and she would come and bring her kids as well. So it's like the extended family. And then the years that we could, we always brought my grandma's mom. So my great grandma, um, she was around until I want to say that she didn't pass until 2008. Mm. I'd have to look to be sure. She was around for a long time. I think she was in her 90s when she finally passed away. Like she wow. was super old. Um, she had a really, a really interesting life. And it was so fun to go with her because she was kind of a salty lady. And you know my love for salty ladies. <laughs> 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 I love them when they just tell it like it is. And she was very much like that. She was very blunt with people and she was great. But yeah, we would go get these photos together. And then we always went to a big party at my great grandma's house. And she lived in this old Victorian house where she had like a foyer. There was like this huge dining room with these big clawfoot couches Um wow. Yeah, the most elaborate, beautiful home. I spent a ton of time there as a kid, and it was my favorite place to be. Um, awesome. And she had this really big, it was like a den, I guess. And she had a massive Christmas tree in there, like 10-foot ceiling. So this tree was huge. And she had the coolest lights on her tree. They were, I think she bought them when my great-grandpa was stationed in Europe. And they were these little Christmas lights that bubbled on the inside. They were like super oh, wow. old. I think they were from like the 1940s or 50s. Wow. And she had like the old school tin ornaments, like the coolest stuff. And I'm like, I wish I could find things like that now. So if yeah. anybody's listening and you know where to find those things, please like send us a message and tell me where to get them because I would die to like find those and, and be able to put them up in my home. It was such mm -hmm. a, a core memory, like to my childhood yeah. spending time in that place. So we would get together. Everybody would exchange gifts. There was always some really awesome uh, games for the kids. Like we did a lot of crafting together every year. We almost, inevitably got coloring books and so we would sit in our christmas pajamas and color in our coloring books until we would wear ourselves out and then go to sleep and then of course you know the traditional like santa comes over the night and you wake up in the morning and you get to open your presents and all of that stuff and one year um i was so excited for christmas that i got up way too early and i felt guilty i didn't want to wake my parents up so i just went in and like there was there was always a couple of things that santa would not wrap right and so like we could see that there was like like one year i got a doll and her hair grew 
And um, it wasn't really growing, obviously, like you could, you could like raise her arm up and down and it would shorten and then it could just like pull it back out. But I was obsessed and I was so excited about it. And so I felt guilty about waking my mom up because they, they were tired, obviously. It was like 5 a.m. when I woke up. So I went in and I was just sitting under the tree, like playing with this doll over and over. And I got in so much trouble for not waking up my parents. But (laughs) um, so that was my really early childhood. Um, After my mom and her first husband got divorced, it was a little bit different. My grandma on my mom's side would always have a Christmas party on Christmas Eve. And the whole family would come. All of her kids would come and bring all of their kids. And so like my cousins were a big part of that. And we would play this game called chicken foot and you play it with dominoes. And if, if you've never played it before, it's kind of like you have the double sided domino and you start with the blank one. And from there you branch out and like you try to match up the numbers on the sides. Right. And if you have like a double sided die or not die, a double sided domino in your stack, you're trying really hard to play that. And when you place it down, you say chicken foot and then you have to match up three that have whatever number the double-sided domino has. So it's like, it's it's kind of complex and it's hard for little kids to play. But as I was getting older, cause I was like eight or nine, when mm-hmm. we finally started going and spending Christmas Eve with my mom's mom and I was old enough that I could play the game, which was super fun. And then of course all my cousins were there. I had an aunt that lived like across the country and she would come out and bring her kids. And it was one of the only times that I got to see them and I loved spending time with them. It was so much fun. Um, There was always a gift for everyone. Um, And then we would go home and go to bed. You know, we would have our Christmas pajamas and then we would go to bed that's like a, a long-standing tradition in my family and my husband's family was the Christmas pajamas. Um, I guess a lot of people do that, but we would go to bed and then wake up. And then in the morning, once my mom got married to my stepdad, we would we lived next door to them for a number of years. And we would get up and go over to their house first before we opened anything. And my oh. grandpa would make, he called it, he called it Slumgolian. it's basically like mountain man breakfast. So it's eggs, sausage, cheese, like all mixed together. It's like a big scrambled omelet. Yeah. Like the most delicious thing in the world. And I absolutely loved it. So we would go over there and we would eat a big breakfast with them. And then the trick was like, if you eat all these eggs and protein, you can't eat your candy. (laughs) So it lasts a lot longer because you eat actual food in the morning, which is great. Like it's such a cool tradition. And then they would come back with us over to our house and that's when we would open our presents. So they were always present for um, like us opening Santa gifts and stuff. And it was really, really fun. Um, When we moved, we moved a lot when I was younger. And so my grandparents would come to our house and and we would all cook breakfast together. And that was Mm -hmm. a lot of fun. But they were always there on Christmas day when we would open our gifts. Then after I got married, my husband's family's traditions were quite different from what I had grown up with. And the tradition was that all of the kids would come home for Christmas and stay in the house. And then on Christmas morning, we would all be together. And that was a lot of fun too. 
it was kind of like a mishmash of like my mom's parents and my stepdad's parents and like what they always did. Um, yeah. And then for us, the way that we've decided to celebrate Christmas is we always do the Christmas pajama tradition. My mother-in-law carried that tradition until she passed away three years ago. And then we picked it up. And like, even though my kids are older now, I mean, my oldest is 20, but I think that the kids would be pretty disappointed if they didn't get their holiday or their holiday pajamas. So, right. <laughs> so we oh. always order the holiday pajamas and then we always, um, I try to always do like a crock pot breakfast. I've okay. done like baked French toast. The blueberry French toast recipe is so yummy. I love that one. It has cream cheese and like brown sugar and cinnamon and all the stuff in it. Um, we've done German pancakes for breakfast. We've done uh, my grandpa's tradition of Slumgullion. That's a lot of fun. Um, and then we've we've made like a couple of different things. Um, and that's kind of like what our Christmas looks like. Thanksgiving is all over the place. We don't really have like a solid standing tradition, but I will say it's funny because my husband is the opposite of your fiance because he hunts <laughs> everything and he will literally yeah. eat everything. So we we typically will do Thanksgiving of a bird that he has harvested. Okay. Um, sometimes that's a turkey. There were a couple of years where he and my son went turkey hunting in the fall or the spring and we would have wild turkey for Thanksgiving, yeah. which is very interesting. Um, <laughs> there are a couple of years that we've done wild pheasant for Thanksgiving, which is super good and, and a fun way to do that. And then there's other times that we've just done like the traditional turkey. Um, I live in an area where it's really common to raise turkeys. So uh, mm -hmm. there's a factory here that processes all of them. It's been here for a long time. It's a big piece of our local economy and we like to support that. So when we can find those turkeys, that's what we usually will purchase. Um, and, and then we just do that. I've done cranberry sauce in the crock pot myself mm -hmm. because it doesn't have a ton of sugar in it. I use Lexi's clean kitchen recipe and it's delicious. Super, super good. Um, I do like it with a little bit of cinnamon in it. So I have used actual cinnamon and I have used a uh, food safe cinnamon essential oil. So, you know, there's a lot of options for different foods. Um, and yeah. at Christmas time, we usually do ham. So that's nice. kind of what our holiday traditions look like. We have carried the Thanksgiving meal most years just because mm -hmm. my mother-in-law, like I said, she lived with us for a long time and it was hard for her to travel. So it was a lot easier for us to do it here at home. And then in doing that, I've learned that Spending Thanksgiving with my family is a lot of drama, and I would rather not. So uh, we we usually don't spend a lot of time with my family over Thanksgiving holiday just because it's really hard. Although I believe last year and the year before, we did go to my mom's for Thanksgiving because my dad was quite, quite sick, still battling cancer, and I wanted to spend as much time with him as we could. Um, it it did give me a lot of clarity on what I what I do not want to participate in for Thanksgiving. So it you know all of these things show up as contrast to let us decide what things we do and don't want. Yeah. So so that was a good lesson for me. But yeah, that's kind of what my traditions look like. Oh, and my husband has a tradition I should mention because he hunts. He has a tradition of going 
duck hunting every year on Thanksgiving morning. So he usually is not here first thing in the morning. And then he does go duck hunting on Christmas Eve. So he's always done it. Uh, it's one of those things I think I've mentioned in the previous episodes that he he hunts everything under the sun. Like if if he if he can get a tag for it, he's going to hunt it. And yeah. in the beginning of our relationship, that was really hard for me because I didn't understand it. But now that we've been together as long as we have, I'm like, this is just it's part of who he is. And it's something that makes him feel peace. And who am I to take that from him? Right. So, yeah, he yeah. goes and does and that. That's like his tradition and it's become yeah. your family's tradition too. Yes. And and it's fun because it's a tradition that I think his mom's dad also carried that same tradition. And so it is something that was kind of passed down through the family. And so in a way, like a lot of the things that we do as people that we carry on, you know, these traditions and things, it's a way of keeping the memory of those that are no longer with us alive. And I really love that piece of it. But I think that there's ways that we can do that, that don't feel like pressure, right? We were just talking before yeah. we started recording this episode that as soon as for myself, and I know I've mentioned this before, as soon as I feel pressure to do something, I'm uninterested. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> it takes all the fun out of it for me if I feel pressure to do something. Yeah. So yeah, if I can take the pressure off myself and just do the things that I feel are honoring the memory of the people who came before me, then I will continue to do those things. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like one thing that we do every year is play bingo and that is because a lot of my family members go and gamble or play bingo and it's just kind of a family tradition of ours and my great aunt passed away this year and I'm really sad that I'm going to be missing out on the family bingo tradition but that is a way that I remember her because she was really big on it and she took it very seriously. Yeah. Like if we <laughs> even joked around a little bit, it's like, you don't talk during bingo. Like, <laughs> you just, you're all in it focused on winning. So oh, yeah, that's funny. a fun tradition that, that we do. Like the family's got the daubers and there's a gift table and you have like your diagonals, your four corners, your kites, your blackout. Um, and then if you if you get one of those, uh, you get something from the from the table that, you know, one of the gifts. It's usually like candy. Uh, my grandma makes dish towels. So she'll just buy like dish towels and then stamp stuff like de decorations on them. Just like household goods like sponges and soap and Bath and Body Works stuff like you know, it's, it's fun though. That's a, a definitely a good memory to keep my aunt alive. So. Yeah. I love that. That seems like it would be like such a fun way to spend time together too, because, you know, there's inevitably like people are going to be talking and, and spending time like bonding and things like that. Um, we usually on Thanksgiving and also on Christmas Eve, we do kind of like a family game thing where we'll play like we we have several games most of them are humor related we usually play what do you meme cards against humanity family edition we'll play that we also played jackbox games during no. the holidays and i love doing those things the other tradition that we have 
is that every year my husband and I usually take time off between Christmas and New Year's because the kids are out of school and we like having that time to spend together. And so we will rewatch all of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings movies every year from that time. Um, from Christmas until New Year's. And I usually, so my birthday is right by Christmas. And yeah. I usually take my birthday off and that's when it begins. <laughs> that's when <laughs> that's the where fun we start. <laughs> yes. We usually will start there watching. And like once it starts, like today when we're recording, it's really stormy, very snowy and cold and it's beautiful. I love this. And I always, it's kind of dorky, but... I always think of what a miracle it is to experience snow because the conditions for weather have to be absolutely perfect for it to happen. So every time I see it, it's like I'm seeing it for the first time. I love the snow. It's my favorite. So as soon as it starts snowing, I'm like, ooh, it's almost time for Lord of the Rings. Like, I'm so excited. <laughs> well, the minute you said Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, I immediately, like, went off camera because still have not seen <laughs> those movies, have not seen them but i have to watch them with you so yes. this is my birthday yeah. request <laughs> yeah my birthday request is that you watch these uh. movies with me we might have to do like a watch party so that yeah. you can watch them with me it'd be kind of fun yeah that would but, be fun yeah it's it they are long and i know to a lot of people it can be hard to get through mostly the first half hour to 45 minutes because there is a lot of character development and things like that that have to take place. But once you get that far, the story gets so good and I love it. So that's our that's kind of what we do in our household to practice, you know, celebrating the people who came before us. Scott's mom really, really loved the Lord of the Rings. And she was the one who kind of started that tradition. So it, it's it's a way of like reconnecting with her and being present for that and man like it's it's so fun but it's also hard right because the people who are not with us anymore it's it's hard to miss them oh yeah absolutely and i think in my situation like my dad passed a long time ago now like 8 years mm -hmm. and he was in the nursing home for a very long time so christmases from the time i was in high school onward he was never there and it always mm -hmm. made me sad that if we couldn't see him on Christmas it was always like around Christmas but if we couldn't mm -hmm. get to see him on Christmas it always made me really sad because I didn't want him to like be alone or think like we forgot about him or something so the holidays specifically thinking of my dad always makes me really sad but again he was a very loud person and I was afraid of him for a really long time so even having him there for Christmas wasn't always fun, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then, like I said, I spent a lot of my holidays with my grandma and her family. So they were like, my parents would always like, let me go with my grandma. So that was good. But it's hard. Holidays can be really hard. And it, maybe you're not close with your family at all. And you have yeah. to like make your own traditions or it's kind of like a choice. Like I know how my family is during the holidays and I'm not going to partake in that. So I'm going to do my own thing. And that's, it might be the best decision for yourself, but that doesn't mean it's an easy decision to make. Yes, of course. And that's something that I kind of wanted to touch on as well while we're having this discussion. Number one, 
I'm just going to read this. Some of these are going to come from Dr. Nedra Tawab. We've talked about her before with boundary setting. I absolutely love her work. She has cards now to support you in practicing this. And then she also has a new book. And the new book is called Drama Free. And it's a guide to managing unhealthy family relationships. So she puts a lot of uh, work into managing your own feelings and creating boundaries that help you feel safe when you have some kind of difficult dynamics in your family. And I love that because my family being a mixed family, we have a lot of really interesting dynamics because the siblings don't all come from the same parents. Some of the traditions that are brought in are not always supported by um, everybody who, who is participating and that can be kind of challenging. So one thing that I want to mention is that it's really harmful to assume that people who have it all together don't also need to be supported. So just because you have strong boundaries and you're able to show up in that way and um, maintain those boundaries and protect yourself, it doesn't mean that you don't also need validation or to have people acknowledge that that's what you're doing and say, I respect this. Like, I, I'm aware that this is what you're trying to do and I want you to know that I'm going to do my best to try to respect this and follow through on it. Obviously, boundaries are not something that's really easy for both parties, right? But if people really respect and honor you, they're going to do their best to try to follow through on those. Um, another uh, thing here in this post that she made is that you don't have to be visibly in crisis, emotionally distraught, or appear out of sorts in order to need support. Strong people also have challenges. Great listeners still like to be heard, and problem solvers also need other people to help them solve problems. So just remember that yeah. as you're going into your holiday season that just because you have someone who appears very strong doesn't mean that they don't also need your support. Absolutely. And I, I will link all of these in our show notes so that you guys can see them as well. Another aspect of that is loneliness. Yeah. People can feel really lonely during the holidays. It could be a very triggering, upsetting time for some people. Um, I know like, Certain movies or songs make me cry. They make me miss somebody or or trigger a memory. Or mm -hmm. if I'm choosing not to spend time with family, that could be really lonely in itself. Sure. Um, so I think loneliness can definitely come this time of year. And there are ways to just reach out to your loved ones um, that you trust, not ones that will trigger you, but ones that you trust, even if it's your friends. Like, yeah. I know this holiday season, I have some friends who are not going home for the holidays. I said, hey, if you want to do anything, you're more than welcome to come hang out with me. Um, or if you want to spend time alone, that's great. But just know the invitation's open. And just make sure that they know they're loved and cared for during yeah, this time. For sure. And one thing that I really did want to touch on, because you and I have had this conversation many times, that um, a lot of times during the holidays specifically, there are going to be things that happen with your family or your friends that might bring up some of those memories that are not pleasant and it can be really hard to vocalize what's happening to put words to the emotions that you're feeling so here is a couple of examples of how you can navigate that um, one of them would be to say i don't know what i'm feeling but i know that i'm not okay another one is to say i can't do this by myself can you please help me 
that's one that I struggle with. I can't help ask for help. I'm not good at that. I'm always practicing it and yeah. trying to get better. But um, yeah, that's something that I really struggle with personally. One that's really good is to say I need more time to decide. And of course, I'm going to reference human design here because if you are an emotional authority or a lunar authority as a reflector, it's very important for you to have enough time to make a decision about something that's a big decision. That makes sense. Those, it's these okay. are all like making me feel like I want to give whoever's saying these things, I want to give them a hug. Yes. Another one that's really good is to say, I don't feel comfortable right now, mm. or this doesn't feel like it's right for me. So that's a nice way to decline something. If somebody is trying to have a conversation with you that you don't want to have, it's okay to say, um, I appreciate the invitation, but I'm going to decline because I, this doesn't feel like a good fit for me. Yeah. That, um, that makes sense. Yeah. Another one that I personally can relate to is I took on more than I can handle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Instead of, instead of me getting frustrated because I tried to do too much myself, which I do, especially with Thanksgiving, because I always want to make something that's beautiful. Like I want to create something that other people love. And if you know me in real life, I tend to love people through acts of service and food. If cooking. I cook food for you, I really love you. Like, <laughs> so um, food is a big deal. And when, when Thanksgiving comes, I put a lot into it and I do tend to take on more than I can handle. And in the past, I have gotten very frustrated and not handled it well. And I love having the tools to be able to say, I think I've taken on more than I can handle. Can you help me with A or B? Yeah, yeah. Those are good ones. Also, we need to practice saying earlier I said I was okay, but I'm realizing I'm not. Mm -hmm. Because we we tend to say that pretty often, especially in our Western society, to say, oh, yeah, I'm fine. But you're not right. fine. So practice like being really honest, not only with yourself, but also with the people who are around you. Because... You know, if it's your family or your friends, because not everybody is going to do Thanksgiving traditionally with their family. Some people do Friendsgiving and it's okay to say, like, I'm not okay. Yeah. Or I need support, right? Emotions also fluctuate too. So you could sure. be okay in the morning, but by the end of a, an event, like a Thanksgiving dinner, you could not be okay. And yeah. that's valid. Yeah, for sure. The last one on this list is to say the other day I was bothered by something that happened between us. When would you have time we could discuss this? Yep. That's a hard one. That one. <laughs> <laughs> Same. That's a really hard one to say, you know, yeah. something happened the other day and I really would like to talk to you about it. When would you be comfortable talking about this? And then be patient and wait for them to be ready because a lot of people are not going to be ready. And that's something that I have a family member who just will get over things really quickly mm -hmm. and I'm not that way at all. Um, I will think about something that was said days ago if it really bothered me and mm -hmm. I'm still trying to like process it, but this person could be over it two minutes yeah. later. And that's always something that's been really hard for me and this person to navigate. Um, I'm getting better at it now, but back before I 
kind of just put my emotions under a rug and forgot about them and just kind mm -hmm. of pushed through. I didn't know how to communicate that. Like, that hey, what sense. you said two days ago really hurt my feelings and I'm still thinking about it. Um, so yeah, that, that one's a tough one for me personally. And I'm sure others out there can, can relate to that. Yeah, for sure. Another thing that is really common around the holidays is the family guilt trip. So people trying to pressure you into doing things that you have already declined or said, no, I'm not going to participate in that. And so here are a few ways that you can navigate that. And this again comes from the same page, Dr. Nedra. She has like a long list of all of these. I'm only going to touch on a few, the ones that I think are the most impactful or easiest to fit into a conversation. So the first one is to say, it sounds like you didn't like my answer. I love you and I'm not going to change it. And I love that one. It's okay to say we want we want different things and that's okay. You could straight up call them out and say I don't appreciate you trying to make me feel bad. Yeah. That's, that's I mean that's like a an escalation, right? <laughs> <laughs> but if it continues happening, it's okay to call it out cuz it's behavior that is not supportive to you. Um, Especially if the person is being like aggressive about it. Like yes. calling you out, well, then you kind of have to get confrontational a little bit to protect yes, yourself. For sure. Um, it's okay to say you're pushing against my boundary. Mm -hmm. And then to describe, you know, your boundary and say, hey, like I've already discussed this boundary with you and you're pushing against it. Yeah. And you don't have to apologize. You don't have to say I'm sorry because you don't need to be sorry about that. Your boundaries are there for a reason. That's the hard part, I think, because I'm the type of person that says, like, I'm sorry for everything. And mm -hmm. even though I'm not, but it's one of those, like, it's like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Like, I'm sorry I'm upsetting you. I'm sorry that X, Y, Z. And it's hard to not feel like you need to apologize for sticking up to your, for yourself and for your boundaries that you set. That, yeah, not saying I'm sorry is really hard. It is. It takes a lot of practice. I used to do that a lot where I would apologize for having emotions, apologize for crying, apologize for being inconvenient because life is very inconvenient. Um, and I started practicing that back in, I think it was 2018 during the year where I said yes to everything. And I was like, I'm not going to continue apologizing when I don't actually feel sorry about something. And some of that comes with also doing boundary work, right? Like understanding yeah. yourself well enough to say, no, I don't, I don't want to do this. And that's yeah. okay. So this is all like family stuff that we talked about so far. Setting boundaries with friends is really hard mm. because that's your chosen family, right? And on that note, um, when we are choosing these people that we keep in our circles, a lot of times it can be really hard to express a boundary to someone that you feel like you're choosing. So just because you're choosing a person doesn't mean you're also choosing all of the things that come with that person. It's up to them to do their own work. And yep. it's up to them to, well, yeah, just do their own work. It's also up to you to express what your emotions are and to set boundaries. So 
a couple of examples of how you can set boundaries with your friends. If you're doing like a Friendsgiving and you have someone who maybe is emotionally activated during that situation, it's going to be important for you to have the skills to be able to set a boundary. Um, so here's a couple of examples. One of them is to say, I'm not available right now to talk about this. Can we discuss it later? It's a good one. Another one is, I would love to be there for you, and I am concerned, but talking to a therapist might be more appropriate for this issue. Oh, okay. That's a good that's one, a too. That's a good one. That's hard. <laughs> that's a hard yes. one, but that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm not ready to talk about this issue I'm having any further. I need time to process my feelings. I can relate to that one the hardest, yes. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm not always available to respond to a message right away. It doesn't mean that you don't care. I have noticed in my own life a pressure to be responding to things as soon as they come through. And I've had to work through that on my own and just, you know, know that I'm not going to be able to respond. I have I have one friend that will send me messages until like 11 p.m., sometimes past that. And I am a very scheduled person. We've talked about this before. Um, I go to bed at a pretty early time, like 9 30, 10. And so I just put my phone on do not disturb when I go to bed. And yeah. I've told this person that I'm not going to receive your message until the next day. So if it's an emergency, you might need to reach out to someone else. Yeah. For sure. And that's really hard to do because I, I love to support people and I love to be in service to other people. And so setting a boundary and saying, that I won't be able to respond is really difficult. Yeah, I get that. Um, another one that I love is I really need to vent. I'm not looking for advice. This is such yeah. an important one in every relationship. If you just need to get something out of your system and have somebody hear you, I think it's super important to clarify that that's what's happening, to say, I just need to vent about this situation. Um, and I need someone to listen and then ask them, are you in a position where you can do that? Mm -hmm. Because we're not always going to be receptive to that, right? Like, or um, maybe the tendency is going to be to want to help the other person and give advice. And then you're violating that boundary. So mm -hmm. if you know that you're not that person, it's okay to say, I don't think that I can be that person for you. Definitely. And I think if you know your friends well enough to know that they are a fixer, because you, we all have our fixer friends, like they yeah. want to come up with a solution to help you and give that advice. But sometimes you don't need that. You just need a sounding board and someone to be like, gee, that's really hard. I totally get what you're going through. I'm really sorry. Like, I just want to give you a hug. I just want to mm -hmm. be there for you. Like sometimes you're not looking for the solutions. You just need that like emotional validation and yeah, emotional support and validation. Yeah. So yeah, if you know your fixer friends, I feel like that's a really good one. Be like, I don't need like solutions. I just need like someone to hear me out. And like, cause like a lot of my friends, like I have my friends here, but I also have my friends back home and I talk to my friends back home a lot and they can't physically hug me, but just having their, support mm -hmm. and knowing that they're listening to me like means the world. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah, That's I totally get one. that. One that I really, really love 
is when you have someone who is looking for solutions or is going through something really hard, an easy way that I feel is still validating is to say like, wow, that seems like a lot or that sounds like it's really hard for you. And then I'll ask, what can I do to support you? Mm -hmm. And that's a different way than saying like if somebody if somebody loses somebody right like if somebody passes away in somebody's family and you're reaching out and you're like oh they're in a better place is that really helpful is that I mean, really going to make them feel yeah. better <laughs> what if they don't have the same belief as you that's true so this is something that i have gone through recently with losing my stepdad i do not have the same belief as a lot of people who were in that group mm -hmm. and so to hear people come up and say, well, he's, he's in heaven. He's in a better place. He's with his family now. Like whatever they're saying, what they're saying was really to support themselves. It wasn't to support our family. And that was very frustrating to me yeah. because I don't share those beliefs. Not that I don't believe in heaven or that I don't believe you get to be with your family on the other side. But to say that he was in a better place, I don't know that I believe that. Right? right. Like, because he was a very family oriented person. And in that moment, that's not what I needed to hear. Yeah. Right. Like our family's hearts were broken. It would have been better for them to say, how can I be there for you? How can yeah. I support you? Can I, can I make you a meal? Like whatever, but ask those things. Exactly. Don't just assume. Right. Because when right. you start assuming and you start telling your side of things, you're projecting you're projecting your own beliefs on the family of someone who's just lost someone. Yeah. So I totally get that. That's good. Good reminder. That's my two cents there. <laughs> so now we're going to talk about how to set boundaries with your parents because that feels terrible <laughs> and it's really hard to do in the beginning. There is going to be like a little bit of this guilty feeling that's going to show up when you start doing boundary work. It's totally normal. It's okay to feel that, but it's also important for you to learn how to do this and assert yourself in a gentle way, I think, because the more that you practice this, the more you gain trust with yourself. It's very, very helpful. Um, and I'm saying this from my own personal experience, of course. It, it may be a lot harder for other people sometimes to set these boundaries. I don't know, you know, what you've gone through in your life. And and if any of these boundaries don't make sense, please let us know. Like I would happy be happy to look at a different perspective of this or try to come up with another way that we can help help people, you know, establish boundaries with your family because I feel like setting them with your friends can be a little bit easier, even though it's uncomfortable, setting them with your family because there is like this expectation element, right? There's like pressure that's going to show up from like your parents, especially to conform and to continue to follow tradition because we kind of talked about that earlier um, and to like fall in line, so to speak. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. Like family and family dynamics are different for everybody. So, yeah. You know, like for me, I can't really relate to having siblings because mine are so much older than me and I didn't grow up with them. But there's yeah. other people who could have grown up with their best friend's parents or, you know, every everybody's lives are different. So 
feel free to write into us with what your traditions are and what maybe some boundaries you've had to set with the people in your life over over time. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so setting a boundary with a parent figure, let's call it that, because not everybody was raised by their birth parents either. If you have a parent figure, whether that's a grandparent, a friend's parent, whatever, somebody who's there, it could be your in-laws even, if you're married or in a partnership, it could be your in-laws that are a little bit difficult to navigate because that is, it's a family unit that's so not native to how you grew up, right? That can be really challenging. So um, one that I really love is if you are willing to help me, I need it to be with no strings attached. Mm, yep. <laughs> That's hard. That's going to be mm. hard to say, yeah. but you're going to feel a lot better if you are able to set that boundary and have it be honored because it does teach you to trust yourself. It's also okay to say, I love both of my parents and I'm not going to choose a side. Mm. That's one I've dealt with personally with my parents being at odds with each other and also having a mixed family um, to say like, I love, I love everybody here and I'm not going to choose sides between people because that's, that's not what this is about, right? Like we're getting together at the family at the holidays as a family because we want to spend time as a family and that doesn't really have a place in that. And it's okay to say something like that too. Um, yeah. I can see that you're concerned about my relationship. I'm not ready to talk about the issues with that. That's oh. a really tough one. <laughs> yeah. Like it's okay for other people to see your relationship from the outside and have concerns because they love you, right? People who who care about you as an individual are obviously going to have questions and red flags about things that maybe you've already navigated with the person. Um, they're not getting a whole picture is kind of what I'm getting at is that they don't see the full thing. And so all they're going off of is this little bit that they do see. Um, right. This one, I think a lot of people can relate to this. I certainly can relate to this. And I'm sure that you will feel the same way. Please don't talk about my body. It's not funny. Ugh. Ugh. I've had to yeah. say this one. Really? Yes. And it is very uncomfortable. But I felt so much better afterward. And it did like really reinforce my self-trust to know like I have my own back and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Yeah. This this one resonates especially with like teenage Crystal who got even like early 20s Crystal who gained some weight and didn't really feel good in her own body. And then to have family members pick on me about it like I didn't have the emotional intelligence to set that boundary but it's something sure. I definitely like felt now I would say something if yeah. my body got brought up but I'm hoping we're past that point in my life with these people but earlier I wish this is something that I would have known and even had the courage to say because it takes a lot a lot of bravery to Yes. Bravery and courage to set that boundary specifically yes. about your own body. For sure. The next one is another one that I've had to deal with as well. And it was very, it was a very uh, emotionally heightened situation. I appreciate you trying to be helpful with my kids and we would like to follow the rules we have in place for them so that they will continue to respect everyone. 
That's a tough one when your yes. kids. Oh gosh. I mean, I've heard stories from other people or in movies or whatever, where it's like, mm -hmm. Oh, their kids were running crazy or just not behave. There was no scolding. There was no this, that like, mm -hmm. that's always really hard. The one that is that was really hard for us with that was when our kids were really small. Um, the whole there's no rules at grandma's house. And I was like, no, the rules still exist because these are rules that we've set as a family. And for our children, like we always let them be a participant in setting what those rules looked like. So they were in agreement, right? Like this was an agreement and yeah. a very spoken detailed agreement between all of us that this is how as humans we're going to behave so the rules apply no matter where you are right or what if like your family members like let's say grandma is like oh they could have a cookie they could have a soda they could have this and maybe this is something we could get into after but it's like what if you have to say these boundaries to people who don't respect boundaries that's the part that's hard is when you set a boundary with someone and it's not respected, then it's up to you to do the work to say, okay, I've, I've set this boundary with you, kind of going back to an, the earlier part of this discussion to say, okay, I've set this boundary. I can see that this is really hard for you. If you're not going to respect my boundaries, I'm going to have to leave. Mm -hmm. So this is where like a boundary is different than an ultimatum. An ultimatum is when you say, if you do this, I'm going to do this. Or if right. you, if you don't do this, then, you know, I'm going to X, Y, or Z. And, and usually it's the whole strings attached thing, right? Where you're like, if you, if you don't listen to what I'm saying, then I'm, I'm going to like do something. Right. But when you say, listen, this is, I'm giving you a basic explanation. This is how we've decided that we're going to do these things. And I really need you to respect that. And then when it's not respected, it looks like you're having a hard time with my boundary. And if you can't respect my boundary, I'm going to have to remove myself from the situation. It's not an ultimatum because you're saying what you're going to do for yourself. Does that make sense? Like it's, it's a little different. Like the line is pretty, it can be really hard to navigate because a lot of times boundaries do feel like an ultimatum, but yeah. really it's you making a promise to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And when you have to do that with family, it's always hard, but that's what boundaries are. Like you can't fold on your boundaries for other people because that's not boundaries. <laughs> so yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Well, and it does take practice, right? Like sometimes it's really, really hard for you to hold a boundary with yourself because you don't have practice doing it. You mm -hmm. don't, yeah, and it takes time to build up that trust with yourself to know like I have my own back and I'm going to do whatever I need to to keep myself feeling safe. So really what we're talking about here is keeping yourself in a situation where you feel like your nervous system is regulated. Definitely. So those are all of those. I will share those posts in our show notes so that you guys can see the full list of some of these and then you can also see um, some of the wording she words things a little bit differently than I did I've given the examples of how I have worded these boundaries but if you would like to use her wording that's totally fine I'm not going to be offended of course so yeah that's that's kind of boundaries in a nutshell for the holidays it can be really challenging but if you have experience with this we would love to hear what your experience was and how it went and 
hear, you know, if you've had to set these boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. You could write into us at weirdlifestylepod at gmail.com. You could also DM us on Instagram, weirdlifestylepod. Um, I think there is a comment section on the podcast apps. Yes. Um, so you could write into us there and just, yeah, share with us if you want to, no pressure. And we will feature it in a future recap episode, which we do have coming up here shortly. Yes. And yeah, some of the ways that I cope is like I remove myself from the situation. I definitely am the type of person who has to gather my thoughts. Like I can't react in the moment. Um, so I have to like gather my thoughts, see how I'm feeling, see what's actually really bothering me and then talk to the person about it or give myself time. And then I'll talk to the talk about it with that person later. Mm -hmm. Um, go for a walk, maybe practice some breathing exercises, just try to avoid any like conflict, like remove yourself from the situation. So nothing escalates and yeah, I think these were really good boundaries. So thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I wanted to share really quickly before we wrap up is um, it's really important when you get into that dysregulated state to come come back to yourself. I feel like the way that is the most accessible in every situation is like you said, that, like get get your breathing. I really love like placing my hand over my heart so I can feel my heart beat. And then focusing on that and then working on, you know, the inhale with the really long exhale, because that tends to bring the heart rate down relatively quickly. Another thing that's really helpful is to do a grounding exercise. So focus on the weight of your body and the pressure against whatever surface you are on. If you're leaning against a wall, you can focus on the pressure there. You can focus on the feeling of your body sitting in a chair or on a couch. You can also focus on the pressure where your sit bones meet the floor. Uh, there's a lot of different, you know, ways that you could practice that but i would say focus on anything that is like a physical sensation and trace that all the way through the body um, you can also take your hands and place them on your legs and feel that mm -hmm. pressure and notice that and then you know move your hands to a different part of your leg to your torso your arms whatever and then just focus on where that pressure is in the body it's important to bring that awareness all the way throughout the body so that your regulation can start to come back into more of what homeostasis feels like for you. Yeah. And as you were saying that, uh, my therapist also recommended like tapping, mm -hmm. like tapping on your knees or just tapping and kind of focusing on that. And then also like, it's like the senses, like the five senses. Mm -hmm. So like what you could see, smell, touch, taste, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Those are also really good coping exercises. Yeah, I love the tapping just because if you can alternate from side to side, it's bilateral stimulation in the brain and it will help bring you back into that more peaceful, relaxed state. Um, the one that my therapist recommended that I really love is the butterfly hug where you put oh. your thumbs together like Napoleon Dynamite making his eagle <laughs> in the sign language performance. Yeah. And then you put that over your chest and just tap on the left and the right and the left and the right and focus on that pressure as your fingertips hit your body. And that bilateral stimulation will help bring you back into the regulated state. 
I love that. That one's not accessible all the time, right? Like you can't walk around. People are going to think you're weird, but you can easily put your hands in like a hoodie pocket and tap your fingers together and feel the pressure and focus on that bilateral stimulation. And no one would even know you were doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like if you're sitting at the, the table with your family on Thanksgiving and things are getting heated and politics and religion are brought up and you're like, oh my gosh, why did I come here? Yep. Just the tapping. You know, yeah. focus on the tapping. Don't focus on them. Focus yeah. on your breathing. Or go hide in the bathroom. Take a break. <laughs> it's okay. Yes. You've got uh, there's this. been many, many situations <laughs> during family get-togethers where I've excused myself and hidden in the bathroom for a minute because I was like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's needed and that's okay. That's yep. valid. Really, I would just encourage everybody take care of yourself. Make sure that you you know, set and enforce your boundaries the best that you can and, and do what you need to do to make yourself feel safe and protected. Remind yourself like that you're safe and that you're going to take care of yourself. And, and over time that practice over and over again, is going to bring you to a place where you can really trust yourself. And then it's a lot easier to set and navigate those boundaries for sure. Definitely. And this episode is going live before Thanksgiving. So if you listen to this episode and you had to incorporate some of these in your Thanksgiving dinner, let us know right into us. And yeah, we're definitely open to listening to your experiences. Do you have anything on boundaries anymore? Just really love Dr. Nedra's work. Um, I'll link her again in our show notes. I'll I'll send you guys a link for uh, both of her books and her cards. So if you need a little bit of help with setting some of these boundaries, you can get some practice in with those. She does a great job of navigating all of that and doing it in a way that's gentle, but still protective, you know, for yourself. Um, and of course, I'll link her uh, Instagram so you guys can follow there as well. That's where a lot of these lists today came from was her Instagram um, there's a lot of really great information there. So hope that everybody has a safe and good holiday season. I'm sure it'll be a mixed bag because it usually is, but <laughs> stay safe. Um, and we hope to catch you guys on the next episode. Yes. Enjoy your Thanksgiving meals and hopefully you're doing something fun. So take care and we'll see you in the next episode.